Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Hey, there is very, very adult content ahead and you have been warned, so I don't want to hear any more about it. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be exploring stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. On today's Dark Enigma, well, we are going to be looking into the amazing world of the Nagaloshi, or, in other words, the Navajo Skinwalkers. What are skinwalkers, you ask? Well, today it may be your lucky day because we're going to be going in depth and giving you some ideas and quite possibly some nightmares that your neighbor might actually be one. So from this point forward, we will be playing our drinking game as always. So in honor of tonight's topic, the drink of choice is Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Now for the game part. Every time the word skinwalker is mentioned, it's going to be a shot. And if I happen to do a Scooby-Doo moment, you know, like jinkies, zoiks, or retro, that's going to be a double shot. (laughs) And I promise you there's going to be a lot of double shots on this one. (laughs) And remember, if you are driving, please wait until you get home before joining in on the game. Drinking games are always only for those listeners who are at home and will not be driving later on. Remember, drink responsibly. All right, now that we have the business end of this taken care of, onward to the episode, Kimosabe. Anagaloshi is a Native American, specifically a Navajo shifter, who can change their form from human to animal. Normally, they can take the form of a coyote, owl, raven, fox, wolf, and even an eagle. Now, how does one become a skinwalker, you might wonder? Well... I know I want to know how because I want to be a wolf. Woo! That's right. I want to be a wolf. (laughs) Well, skinwalkers are not born. They must be created. And in order to do so, well, you have to kill and eat a person whom you are close to. Yeah, doesn't that just sound revolting? And yet another reason for me to just say, eat me. (laughs) The Navajo skinwalker legend is not unlike that of the European werewolf. A once ordinary human discovers the ability to shift into animal form at night, where his doings then become almost exclusively evil. Unlike the werewolf, however, the skinwalker curse is desired and acquired. That is, skinwalkers do not have the bad luck of just being bitten and forced into the curse. Rather, they want it and are willing to perform extraordinary rites of evil in order to achieve it. Now, there are multiple legends behind the origin of the Navajo skinwalker. One claims the Navajos mastered shape-shifting in order to escape persecution and relocation. The Kit Carson-led cornering of the tribe deep in Canyon de Chalet, and later they're forced in disastrous relocation to Bosque de Redondo. 
Another version relates to the Navajo belief in the Anasazi curse, that the Anasazi were responsible for the prevailing witchcraft in the Navajo tribes, and that Navajo skinwalkers use the off-limits Anasazi ruins and gravesites to gain certain powers. The most prominent history of the skinwalker tells of a particular form of Navajo witch. Oh, and by the way, I am so going to be butchering these names. Don't even think that I won't. Jinkies, right? Um, so they tell of a particular form of Navajo witch or an Anthonihi called Ayi Naladushi. Yeah, I totally butchered that. Go on, send me nasty emails. It is what it is. Translated to mean, with it he goes on all fours. The Ayi Naldalushi is usually a medicine man or high-ranking priest who has obtained supernatural powers through breaking a cultural taboo, taboo, including murder, seduction, or the corruption of a family member. Upon accepting this deep and consuming level of witchcraft, skinwalkers are banished forever from a tribe. But considering the foreknowledge of this, as well as the despicable acts required for the transformation, an aspiring skinwalker surely possessed an early preceded hate for the tribe, so I don't think that they care that much. Prowling alone in the desert, a skinwalker, and also unlike the werewolf, has the ability to shapeshift into any animal they wish. Although most commonly, the animal is a coyote, wolf, cougar, fox, owl, or crow. A reason why pelts of these animals are widely restricted among the Navajo. There are multiple theories as to how the skinwalkers become, well, skinwalkers, duh. Maybe it's magic, maybe it's murder. Maybe it's a new twist to the DNA, or just nature doing her thing. Maybe it's like Twilight and there are sparkly vampires. Yeah, no, maybe not that one. But whatever it is, we're going to dig deeper into the how and why as we go along. Possibly the best documented skinwalker beliefs are those relating to the Navajo Yinatalushi. A Yinatalushi is one of several varieties of Navajo witches, specifically an Antenihi or practitioner of the witchery way, as opposed to a user of cursed objects, which is Adagash, or a practitioner of frenzy way, which is Asihiti. Yeah, I know I butchered those names. Get over it. I don't know Navajo. Technically, the term refers to an Antonihi who is using his, and very rarely a her, power to travel in animal form. In some versions, men or women who have attained this highest level of priesthood are called klizyati. Yeah, I had fun with that one. <laughs> Which actually translate to pure evil. Then they commit the act of killing a member of their family and then have thus gained the evil powers that are associated with a skinwalker. The Antonihi are human beings who have gained supernatural power by breaking that cultural taboo. Specifically, a person is said to gain the power to become a Yi Nataloshi upon initiation into the witchery way. Both men and women can become Antonihi and therefore possibly skinwalkers, but men are by far more numerous. It's, it is generally thought that only a childless woman can become a witch. Hmm, I'm a childless woman. No, I'm just a bitch. 
Although it is most frequently seen as a coyote, wolf, owl, fox, or crow, the Yi Nataloshi is said to have the power to assume the form of any animal that they choose, depending on what kind of ability they need. Witches use the form for expedient travel, especially to the Navajo equivalent of the Black Mass, a perverted song and the central rite of the witchery way used to curse instead of heal. They also may transform to escape from pursuers, because duh, that's what I want to do. Some Navajo also believe that skinwalkers have the ability to steal the skin or body of a person. Yeah, now we're going to get into the really creepy, gross crap. So, doinks! The Navajo believe that if you lock eyes with a skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into your body. It is also said that skinwalkers avoid the light and that their eyes glow like an animal's when in human form. And when in animal form, their eyes do not glow as any animal's would. A skinwalker is usually described as naked except for an animal skin. Some Navajos describe them as a mutated version of the animal in question. The skin may just be a mask like those which are only the garment worn in the witch's song. Because animal skins are used primarily by skinwalkers, the pelt of animals such as bears, coyotes, wolves, and cougars are strictly taboo in the Navajo Nation. Sheepskin and buckskin are probably two of the few hides that are used by the Navajos. The latter is used only for ceremonial purposes even. Often, Navajos will tell of their encounter with a skinwalker, though there is a lot of hesitancy to reveal the story to non-Navajos, or to even talk of such frightening things at night. Sometimes, the skinwalker will try to break into the house and attack the people inside, and will often bang on the walls of the house, knock on the windows, and climb onto the roof. Sometimes, a strange animal-like figure is seen standing outside the window, peering in. I just want you to know I'm doing this and it is at night and I swear to God if somebody knocks on my door, I'm going to piss myself. Anyways, other times a skinwalker may attack a vehicle and cause a car accident. I'm just going to say those have to be deer. The skinwalkers are described as being fast, agile, and impossible to catch. Though some attempts have been made to shoot or kill one, they are not usually successful. Sometimes a skinwalker will be tracked down only to lead to the house of someone known to the tracker. As in European werewolf lore, sometimes a wounded skinwalker will escape, only to have someone turn up later with a similar wound which reveals them to be the witch. It is said that if a Navajo was to know the person behind the skinwalker, they had to pronounce the full name, and about three days later that person would either get sick or die for the wrong that they have committed. Skinwalkers use charms to instill fear and control in their victims. Such charms include human bone beads launched by blowguns, which embed themselves beneath the surface of the skin without leaving a mark, and human bone dust, which can, paralyze, which can cause paralysis and heart failure. Skinwalkers have been known to find traces of their victim's hair, wrap it around a pot shard, and place it into a tarantula hole. Even live rattlesnakes are known to be used as charms by the skinwalker. I'm just going to say... Seriously, I love spiders, but fuck those snakes. So the prevailing theory is that to become a skinwalker, you must perform a ritualistic act of killing and then eating a person who is close to you. I know my family and honestly would never eat any of them, so I could never do this. 
The theory suggests that eating a blood family member is preferred, but there really doesn't seem to be any set rule to it. So, you know, if you have a friend who's like a brother or a sister to you, eh, let's go ahead and try it out. The theory goes on to say that by performing this act, the soon-to-be skinwalker loses any humanity left in them. Beware, once you're a skinwalker, you just can't undo it. It's kind of like this show. You just can't unlearn things. So this is not like a bad haircut at Supercuts. Once you do it, you just can't fix it. But hey, can we get somebody to volunteer to try this? Because I need to know if it kind of like works. Come on, guys. Really, I need a volunteer. I mean, seriously, I don't want you to kill and eat my family member unless I'm like 100% sure that I get to be a unicorn. Because that's what I'm totally going to be. All right, I'm just kidding. Our next theory has a far different and much more chilling take on the uh, on the how. So, you know, as a child, how your parents told you not to look into a stranger's eyes? Well, this theory might actually be the reason behind that. This theory claims that the soon-to-be skinwalker can also steal the faces of different people and could possibly appear as someone you know. Basically, if you accidentally lock eyes with a skinwalker, they can absorb themselves into your body and take control of your actions. This is going to be my absolute defense if I ever kill someone. Because I'm going to be like, yeah, I was taken over by a skinwalker. Be warned, do not look into someone's eyes if you don't know them. Unless you know you have an undying need to be a puppet. In which case, carry on. No problems here. Nothing to see here. Keep going. <laughs> Skinwalkers have a tendency to hang around graveyards. Because, duh. And can dig up graves at an impossibly fast speed. I'm just saying if they want to make some extra cash. You know, seriously. I mean, because who wouldn't want their grave disrupted by like a half-human, right? I mean, come on. That just seems like a really fabulous time. Okay, maybe I just have a morbid sense of humor. Okay, I just want to meet one and kind of see what they actually do because that would be kind of cool. But, you know, just like film it so I don't actually have to be there because, you know, I don't want to become a skinwalker. According to Navajo myth, the only way to successfully shoot a skinwalker is to dip bullets into white ash. I am so not going to touch that one. <laughs> Often people attempt, attempting to shoot a skinwalker find their weapon jamming or frozen. Other times, the rounds fire, but they have no effect. If spotted, the skinwalker will run away, and if chased, his footprint will not be present even if only a few feet away from him. Also, if it is fired at even at point-blank range, it still has no effect. And it still may attack you or run off or, you know, stare into your eyes and take over your body. The only way to kill a skinwalker if no white ash is present is to shoot the skinwalker in its human form. Now... Let's talk about true names. What is a true name, you might ask? You know, a rose by any other name is just as sweet, right? A true name is a human name that you go by. But a true name to a skinwalker is a poison apple. Can't guess their true name? Then start screaming off every name that you can. Make sure you include Adam. <laughs> you get my joke? It's poison apple, so make sure you scream at him. Okay, I forgot. No sense of humor. I'm sorry. Okay, others have spotted an animal-like figure peering in through a window. According to Navajo Skinwalker legend, these are seldom caught. Those who do track a skinwalker and learn of their true identity must pronounce the name of the evil one in full. Once this happens, the skinwalker will get sick or die for the wrongs that they've inflicted against others. It is said that the animal form of the skinwalker is larger and more powerful than any natural beast. 
This creature is said to be able to run faster than a car and able to jump mesa cliffs with little effort. Because Superman, right? In order to become a skinwalker, the witch must commit the unthinkable crime, murdering an immediate relative. And this is a huge, serious taboo for the Navajo people. It is a terrible crime regardless of one's cultural heritage, but the Navajo really, 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 really look down on this. As was said earlier, the skinwalker is evil to the core, most being homicidal and violent. The creature cares for nobody other than itself, and the skinwalker most often kills out of greed, anger, envy, spite, or revenge. I'm thinking a couple of my ex-boyfriends might be skinwalkers because they don't care about nobody but themselves either. Might be right, might be wrong, we'll find out. The skinwalker and most Navajo witches are usually active only at night, when they are less likely to be seen, and then they can conduct their profane rituals in secrecy. These rituals are the Native American equivalent of the European Black Mass, which undoubtedly involves bloodletting, sex, and desecration of religious icons. Navajo witchcraft itself is known as the Witchery Way in which the magic revolves around the use of human corpses in various concoctions that are designed to cause to cause curses, harm, or even to kill an intended victim. The four basic ways of Navajo witchcraft are witchery, sorcery, wizardry, and frenzy. And I'm thinking those names are just made up because I'm pretty sure the Navajo have better names for that because they have the coolest language ever. These ways have no connection to European witchcraft at all, but are merely additional pieces of Navajo spirituality. The Navajo themselves fear the skinwalker so much that they are very hesitant to speak with outsiders about these creatures, and absolutely refuse to speak about it at night. One might suppose that this is a variation of the phrase, speak of the devil and he shall appear. The Navajo fear any consequences or attacks from the skinwalker in retaliation for allowing outsiders to meddle in their affairs. In regards as to how the skinwalker actually chooses to attack its victims, the methods are both numerous and terrible. It may choose to bite and claw the victim to death in its animal form, but the skinwalker is usually far more subtle than that. At times, the skinwalker will try to break into a home in order to frighten, harm, or kill the inhabitants. Each Navajo home has a small opening in the thatched roof to provide ventilation. A skinwalker would take advantage of this by making use of a deadly dust known as corpse powder made from dried and powered, powdered human remains. So, ew. The corpse powder may be sprinkled through these holes, causing grave sickness and eventual death to those dwelling within. If this powder is blown into a victim's face, it causes the tongue to turn black and to begin swelling, followed by convulsions, paralysis, and the eventual death of the victim. It is said that the corpses of children, especially twins, are the best source for this powder. And skinwalkers may make some strange sounds, like banging on the walls, knocking on the windows, and scraping noises on the roof. These noises are all signs that the skinwalker is out and about, trying to gain the attention of its victim. The skinwalker is also able to mimic any human or animal sound that it chooses, perhaps using the voice of a loved one to lure a potential victim out of his or her home. It may also use this ability to distract a homeowner so that it may steal property like livestock or to escape. The skinwalker is adept in the use of black magic using charms, chants, and spells to induce supernatural fear into its chosen victims so that it may manipulate them into doing the skinwalker's bidding. 
and may use this ability to induce fear to curse its victims or even to kill them. It is possible that the Skinwalker's very presence induces supernatural fear into both people and animals. All right, so we're going to take a little break here, and I'm going to let all those fears about Skinwalkers just sink in with you deeply. And when we return, well, I've actually found a direct story from a supposed Skinwalker that will hopefully make your blood freeze. And we're going to have a few terrifying stories about incidents with Skinwalkers, so make sure you join us after the break. All right, welcome back, my heathens. Oh boy, that was fun, wasn't it? I'm so glad that you did come back for this truly terrifying tale that I still have for you. Now, I'm going to start with an actual story that I found from a supposed or alleged skinwalker. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, I found this on a forum, and when I went to look for it so I could give credit to them, I was unable to find it again. Um, so I was lucky to get it in the first place, but I'm thinking somebody made them take it down, and that's why I don't have a name or credit, so if anybody knows who this belongs to, please let them know that I was more than happy to give them credit. Um, but, so, this is an actual story from someone who became a skinwalker, um, and they asked this person, how do they become a skinwalker? And this was the response that they gave. So I will be reading this as the person who wrote this. Um, when there comes a time for a child to be born, there are several children that are sensitives and those that are sensitives get chosen. Who we, we who are sensitive to evil or good can see what normal people cannot ESP, as many scientists believe to be paranormal or supernatural, but you have to see it in the eyes of us who have been taught that everything is possible and it is all limitless. So basically we see things and we let our elders know. Now when children cry, it's either because something was bothering them or they sense something bad. Easy, when a child is laughing or is smiling while no one is in the room. It could be a good spirit playing with them, or it could be a bad spirit playing with them. It's hard to tell because there's nothing evil in the very beginning. It's all trickery to us because they can't harm the innocent. I was one of these children who was sensitive, and I was given the name Hashke Ta Deswood, which translates to one who walks around with warriors, or one who is always honest with those he encounters. Now, with me, my grandmother raised me to be a good kid, never into the going out at night or opening a window at night or whistling at night. No, no for a child because that's when that's what calls the bad spirits over to you. So I did nothing but listen to her stories of all these things. My father came into the picture when I was like five or six and he just visited time to time. Now, when I turned eight, I was allowed to go with him to his place. He then started my training, as I call it. I was hunting and gathering things with him. I thought it was fun because I was hanging out with my, with my dad. Now, when I turned nine is when it began. I was the youngest of the group of kids chosen by his elders to partake in this event. I was a sensitive and still am. So they performed a three-day ceremony in which they had a huge bonfire going and they were dancing all around it. They had their skins and animal skins and when I say skins, I mean, I mean human skins as well. This is Nicole just going, ew. <laughs> Back to our story. 
There were people getting butchered and mutilated in these camps in the caves on top of the mountains near my hometown. Which, by the way, he never tells us where that is. Oh, and by the way, it is a guy. I vividly remember watching a man get slaughtered, and I can remember his screams of agony. This is what haunts me to this day. I tell people all the time, Dude, you have no idea what it's like to go through hell or have to hear screams from it or even watch it. And I love the fact that he calls everybody dude. Okay. We the children have to sit in front of a mirror. This mirror is like a portal to another deep, dark dimension, and it remains dark until the ceremony is almost complete. It reflects our image, but in a very ghastly way. Now the chants and songs are being made while people around are getting slaughtered, and we have to fast without food or water for the whole three days, while in front of these huge bonfires while watching our own image in a dark mirror. Once the three days are over and there are some of us who survive, keep in mind that they choose up to 15 kids and only three of us make it out alive. I'm the youngest of all of them. Now the fourth day, we have to go around talking to animals in their language, and we have to understand them. We have to play with some and then challenge some, all while being observed by skinwalkers that have already been initiated. If we pass with their approval, we get to do one more thing. Eat. But in order to do so, we have to kill either an animal or a human. Then we eat whichever we kill. I killed a prairie dog because I couldn't even stand the thought of eating a person. That's what sets the skinwalkers apart. Whether you eat an animal or human, eating an animal will most likely result in us being able to obtain white or clear eyes, unless you eat snakes or coyotes. Eating a human will always result in obtaining the famous and infamous red or yellow eyes. Once the sacrifice is made and you survive through it all, you obtain the right to be called a skinwalker. Now keep in mind that even skinwalkers play by the natural law. They come together in this time, be it bad or a good skinwalker, to raise more skinwalkers. But this only happens every rare occasion in which there are changes that are being made by the planet due to climate or interplanetary change. I love the way that he just kind of went all cosmic on us, right? We are more in tune with nature than most. We understand the crystal and how it communicates to us. This is why most scientists believe that logic does not mix with reality. Logic is their way of trying to explain something they don't understand and are afraid of. We, on the other hand, know enough that there are always going to be things that we can't explain, but we will be able to describe it. We won't be afraid of it because if it's in our world, then it must be in others as well. Meaning it was always there to begin with. So it's nothing new to the universe, but it is to us. Therefore, it is not supernatural or paranormal. The same goes for spirits, aliens, UFOs. They're just crossing over. No big deal. I love the way he threw aliens in there, right? Because it's always fucking aliens, right? Now, Mother Earth provides us chosen with massive amounts of energy, which we can keep forever. We have the power to manipulate and control certain things. I, for one, can control the weather with my emotions. And I can befriend any wild animal. And I can also manipulate people's thought process. Well, I can control the, wind, the weather, too, with my emotions. And you know what? Most animals love me. But I'm not so much with the manipulating people. Okay, so back to our narrator. I was chosen with clear eyes. And I was given a bald eagle feather. 
See, most don't know this, but you don't need the full skin to transform. You just need a piece of a part of the animal. I transformed for the first time. It took me 12 hours to master the art. I had to let go of all the limits I was taught. See, I was taught that I could only go so far before there would be no limits, like they teach nowadays. But you have to let it all go in order to realize the beauty of shifting. Once shifted, you can fly as high as you see fit. It was great being nine and flying over shiprock at high speeds. Having pure sight of everything was the best. Then I did something stupid. I transformed back while I was trying to land, and I landed on my face. Hard. I stumbled a bit, and I couldn't remember anything for a while, but then I caught my thoughts, and I knew what I had done. I was proud of myself. I was greeted back at the caves with joy and food and water. I enjoyed every meal afterward because I was hungry. The other kids had turned too. One transformed into a snake, and the other was into a cougar. We were happy until it came time to face the mirrors. I got in front of my mirror, stared into my own eyes, and saw a great glory, clear eyes. The mirror then finally became wavy as if, as if it was part of the water, and something had hit it to make it start to wave. In the mirror was a mountain of flames, and towering over those flames was a dark, winged creature that had a long jaw and what looked like ram horns. It stared at me, and it called me its son. But it, was, it said my purpose was to help those in need and fight for the better good. Therefore, it rejected me and said that I was no longer its son and it was going to protect me from harm, but it would have nothing to do with me. The mirror cracked and the pieces fell. The other kids didn't have the same experience. Their mirrors were returned to normal, so I guess I was the one that, that the mirror decided to show me this image. After all this, my dad took me back to his house and we slept with the doors open. I didn't care. I was practically invincible and had this thought that I could do whatever I wanted and I was fully protected, but I snapped. This orb of light came into the house and I stood up. I wasn't scared and this orb flew into me. It tickled and I started to glow as if I was a glow stick. I walked outside and I saw a face form out of dust in front of me. It was a man. He spoke to me saying that he was the creator and that what had happened was for the best and that I was to be honored to protect the people when I transformed. I was excited and I didn't want to believe it was the creator speaking to me so the orb left and then I went to sleep because that's what you do when the creator fucking speaks to you, right? Next day, I got back home to my mother's and I told her everything. She freaked out because that's what moms do and she took me to a medicine man fast. I got all the ceremonies done to reverse it all, but I feel that it's stuck with me and that I can still transform. I haven't tried it yet, but if you knew what it felt like, your body thirsts to do it again. So on occasion, I clear the, the clouds and I make sure no animals harm people. I hope this helps you in your quest to seek the truth on your end, but I'm pretty much covered on everything else that I need. So, wow, right? All right, so that's that's the story from an alleged skinwalker. Now, I like the fact that, you know what, they gave him a choice between eating a human and eating, like, an animal, because I can get behind that. I have no problem with eating animals, because I'm a carnivore, and steaks taste yummy. So, I have no problem with that. But, you know, it seems a little bit different coming from him, so not sure if it's true or not, but, like I said, I found it somewhere. I don't know where I found it, and I can't give them credit, but I obviously want to give them credit. 
Alright, so now I'm going to share one of the few incidents that I found of skinwalkers versus humans. And this is yet another story, so I'll again be speaking about this in another one. Now, I got this off of the Mysterious Universe website, so I do give them credit. This is their story, not mine. I'm just kind of borrowing this part of it. Um, so, one year when I was in grade school, we went to visit her. Most of the visits was pretty eventful, typical boring old people stuff, except she always kept her curtains drawn shut and would always peek out the window, and when someone asked what she was doing, she would simply reply, Yandaloshi is watching me. This went on for nearly the entire visit until a few days before we were due to leave my grandma. My grandma and my then baby brother, he's 19 now, were in the front yard that evening planting flowers when all of a sudden my grandmother started shouting, insert little brother's name here, get away from that creature, it's not safe. Of course, being in Nevada, we all assumed that my brother had found a scorpion or a rattlesnake, so we all ran out, run outside to see my grandmother clutching my little brother and shaking in terror against the side of the house. Standing out in the yard was a large, black, Great Dane-sized dog. It was staring at my grandmother with an intensity I'd never seen before. It looked up at us, gave a little huff, and bounded off. I don't remember if it moved unusually fast or not, but I do remember that it had really deep yellow eyes. When my mother asked my grandmother what had happened, she kept repeating, The Yandaloshi has found me. And she moved a couple of weeks after that. Cool. Now we have another story. Suddenly there was a very loud whine from one of the dogs. Then everything went quiet again. It was really too quiet for that time of year. Not even the sheep were making noise. Suddenly, I heard a few of the dogs going completely mad by the truck. When I looked over, there was this man. He was unbelievably tall, leaning one arm on the cab roof of the truck. He was looking at the dogs for a little bit, and then suddenly kicking one of them. They all scattered in different directions. The thing, or the man, looked up at me, and I saw its face. It had a pure white face, like a full moon, two burning red eyes, and a slight smile that was pure black. I couldn't move or even make a sound. It began to walk toward me with these long strides, until it finally towered over me. All I began to see was a dark red, like the color of the blood when you cut the throat of a sheep. I kept getting deeper and deeper into its eyes. I could faintly hear my brother coming out of the outhouse. With this, the thing looked up at him. Reality came rushing back to me. I noticed that my brother was too distracted with his buckle to realize what was going on. I also noticed that this thing's long hands hovering just inches from my head. Its skin was black ash, and he smelled like a bloated dead animal in summer. I was still unable to move or speak, the skinwalker began to move toward my brother. Finally, noticing the figure, my brother became as paralyzed as I was. Closer and closer it drew, reaching an arm out toward my brother's head. Something finally snapped in me, and I became unbearably angry. I broke from my trance and lunged at the skinwalker, raising my arms like a wild animal and baring my teeth at it. A growl came out that I, had, that I never knew that I could make before. I became more and angrier at the same time that this thing was trying to hurt us, and it kept that smile on its face at first. But the angrier I got, 
the more the smile faded. Finally, with everything I had, I began to make this primal roar. It fell backwards and ran away into the night. Looking back at me, its eyes were dim and dull, its smile now long since gone. The next morning, the family finally returned home from the feast, and after relaying, relaying the story to my parents, they quickly hired a medicine man. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode, my friends. And I thank you for joining me today, and I hope that we scared you a little bit. I hope you take some time to reach out to me and maybe share some thoughts about what you think about it. You can reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you have any suggestions for a future show, or you just want to tell me what you think, or if you know who actually wrote these so that I can give them credit on a, on a future show, I'd love to know. So drop me a line. And on that note, that's all the time we have for today. So thank you for joining us on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.